to Jags Drive Time with Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Blind them up! Blind them up! Hey, come on, love you, brother. That's in the world. Let's go. That's in the world. Yeah, you too. That's in the world. A lot of work to get here, baby. Sir, come on. Let's go, dominate. Offensive lineman Cam Robinson mic'd up against the Washington Commanders. You can check out the full episode on Jaguars.com right now. Welcome into Jaguars Drive Time on a Wednesday. Ashlyn, Brian, and John here with you as we look forward to Indianapolis Colts coming to town for the first home game of the season. And we now welcome in Stephen Holder with ESPN NFL joining us now. Good morning, Stephen. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Good morning to you. Absolutely. All right. Take us through what happened week one, the Colts tie against the Houston Texans. I want to know what the biggest surprise maybe was in that game. Well, it was surprising, apparently, to players, uh, some of whom did not realize that you could tie in the NFL. So that was interesting uh, in the locker room, actually explaining the overtime process to some of them. (laughs) So anyway, that was an interesting diversion. But I I think really – the there wasn't a ton of surprise for me except i thought in many ways the colts outplayed the texans they just they didn't do the things that it takes to actually put the finishing touches on a win they moved the ball up and down the field well over 500 yards of offense but if you don't stick it in the end zone at the end of those drives it doesn't quite matter how many yards you get so i think in many ways we saw what we expected from the colts Strong running game. Jonathan Taylor over 160 yards. Matt Ryan, I thought, really efficient in in many ways, except with some key mistakes. But overall, definitely an upgrade at quarterback. But they just didn't get the job done in very uh, critical moments. Good morning, Stephen. You know, we're saying the same thing this week. It doesn't matter how you move the ball up and down the field or that you come from behind. If if you don't put the ball in the end zone, if you don't get those red zone opportunities – you're not going to win. Um, it's an interesting story. I was talking with folks in Atlanta when we were up there in the preseason practicing with him about Matt Ryan because it's the third straight year you come in with a brand-new quarterback. And they think that the Colts have it right this time because of the presence of Matt Ryan, who he is as an individual, the way that he carries himself, the way that he leads a team. That That's a building that's had strong quarterbacks and strong leadership and no lack of identity. Do you sense that from Matt, or is that just part of the Colts' way and he's just fitting in? No, I, I do sense it. I mean, I tell you, I feel even stronger about it after Sunday, despite them not managing to actually get the win. You know, I think Quentin Nelson, for example, they're, they're all pro guard. He told me after the game, he said that, you know, he was, he was really just captured by the fact that Matt Ryan, even when the deficit was 20 to 3, and at that point I'm thinking, they're really going to lose this game. And Matt Ryan at that point, went up and down the sideline to every single guy and got in everybody's face and brought them up and said, look, we are going to do this. And and I, I think you maybe expect that from a quarterback. I think in, in today's day and age, we see guys mic'd up and we see the cameras on the sidelines and we see a lot of that. But I, I really think it's not just that he does it. There's also a belief when he does it. It's how he does it. And it's the fact that they see it from him 
uh, throughout the week. They see it in practice. They see it in the meeting room. He just he he's a born leader. There's no doubt about it. And he he runs this offense honestly like a CEO. He has just a, a really interesting way about him. Stephen, um, I'm curious, uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor. There were stories last week about, uh, and I know you guys have talked to Frank Reich about managing carries, and yet it's going to be hard to manage carries with this guy because he's so good. Uh, how do the Colts balance that when they're really at their best when he's running the football? Well, you saw a great example of, of the difficulty of that on Sunday because <laughs> there were some instances in the first half of that game where Jonathan Taylor was one step away from going to the house, like multiple times. And you could see it. And, and you just kind of had this feeling like, all right, the next one might be the one. <laughs> and I can imagine that's very, very tempting. I don't think they set out to have him run the ball, I believe, 31 times. I don't think that was their game plan necessarily. But, you know, the game goes the way the game goes. And, I, well, a couple of things happened. I mean, there were some instances where, uh, they were they were having some some difficulties moving the ball through the air and they were having some efficiency on the ground. So they did that and, and they just went with the hot hand. And I think when a game is tight and close like that, you kind of have to throw your plans out the window. So if the goal was to preserve him going into the game, then once they got into the game and, and they saw that that was their, their best way of moving the football, then you have to just basically throw out the plans. I think that's what they did. And they said that they would do that. Uh, when when called upon. And, and I think that was an instance where it was. Uh, that's what it was going to take. But yes, over the course of the season, they do want to watch his touches. You don't want your, your running back well over 300 touches or excuse me, 300 carries per season. And he exceeded that last year. And Stephen, as we get ready for this game Sunday in Jacksonville, we have to talk about this streak now that is many years running of the Jaguars beating the Colts in Jacksonville, forcing them out of the playoffs last season in the last regular season game. We all say on both sides, okay, it's a new team. They don't think about that. But how much is that on the Colts' mind this week? Well, it, it's probably on their minds because they're going to hear about it. <laughs> okay, there is no doubt about it. They are going to be inundated with questions about it with uh, stories with talk on the radio i mean look they they can't escape it. they know what happened and the, there's that was a very seismic i think shift in this organization you know what happened in jacksonville in january and there's no way there's no other way to look at it i, I think a lot of it prompted certainly some changes and it prompted more than changes it prompted i think uh, an, an attitude and a focus on this team that they have to take a step and that that's not the kind of game that a, a serious football team that one that is that is serious about about doing something in the postseason that's not a game you can lose uh, to the team with at the time the worst record in the NFL uh, with everything on the line and you certainly on paper have uh, have a considerable amount of talent more than the other team. There's no excuse. And you just can't come back from that by just saying it's just another game. That's just not going to be acceptable. And so no one from the owner on down has tried to spin it as just another game because it wasn't. And and I think that the Colts understand that. And I, I really think that adds a layer of pressure for this game on Sunday. I, I don't know how they'll respond to that, but no one can tell me and have me believe 
that there's not a considerable amount of pressure on on the Colts on Sunday. Yeah, it's certainly a big storyline. Hey, you know, it, it's it's interesting. We've asked you about the quarterback and the running back, and we talked about the offensive line. I mean, I think when you talk with about the Colts, we still tend to talk about offense. Um, but what they've done on the defensive side of the ball, adding Stephon Gilmore and Yannick Ngakwe, and a guy we know in Gus Bradley, uh, what have you seen from Gus and the way that he has put his own personal stamp on defense? And uh, is there expectations that Leonard is ready to go after his offseason back surgery, or is that still day-to-day? Well, I'll answer the second question first. Uh, Leonard is, is still TBD. And I actually am leaning a little more toward week three at home against Kansas City, but we'll see. I mean, today is Wednesday. It's a big day. We'll, we'll learn more later today. Uh, but don't count on him just yet. Uh, on Gus Bradley and that defense, I really like what they have put together. Now, we didn't see, I don't think, the the ultimate uh, outcome or, or result on, on Sunday. I thought they, there's still some growing pains in moving to that new scheme and, and some of the intricacies that maybe didn't go quite as they expected. There were some coverage issues that I think were not the product of, of ability. Uh, they were the product of execution. And so they have to clean that up. If they can do that, then I think you eliminate uh, some of the, the things that you saw from the Houston Texans moving the ball uh, through the air. Uh, on the ground, look, the, the Colts are going to be good against the run, I think, this year. Uh, Grover Stewart, their nose tackle, had uh, just some really, really impactful plays for them. And they've talked all season long or all offseason to Forrest Buckner, who's their all-pro defensive tackle. He's talked about how he loves this system and how it is reminiscent of the one that he played with or played in in San Francisco. So, and I think, obviously, Yannick has, has certainly embraced this scheme and, and had success in it uh, with Gus in Jacksonville. So they have a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this defense. I think it will have a better showing and showings as the season progresses, but they've got to knock the, the kinks out and, and kind of get all on the same page. And I don't know that that was the case just yet. It's going to be an interesting game on Sunday, Colts and Jaguars in Jacksonville. It always is when it's that matchup. Stephen Holder, thank you so much for joining us on Jaguars Drive Time. All right, you got it anytime. See you Sunday. Sounds good. See you Sunday when we come up on Jaguars Drive Time. Some big things here on the Jaguars Digital Network. For nine years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all your available inventory. We're back, Jaguars Drive Time on a Wednesday. Thank you to Stephen Holder from ESPN covering the Colts for joining us this morning. Let's get right into big things because we have a lot to talk about here on a Wednesday. Big thing one is here we go again. The mindset, the narrative that we've been hearing this week of this is the same old Jaguars with the same old struggles. Well, we're here to tell you that there is one big difference with that narrative, and that is the head coach who is working to change the narrative that we're hearing this entire week. I don't. I don't because, I, again, it starts with me, you know, and, and I'm not going to let that creep into our thinking at all. And, um, you know, I coach the staff that way to make sure they're positive, yet um, very critical of the players as well, critical of ourselves. And, and um, I'm just not going to let that happen. 
Big thing, too, is he's that guy. Speaking of changing the narrative, Coach Peterson and the players impressed with how Coach Peterson led this team back from a halftime deficit. Tyson Campbell, one of the guys, singing the head coach's praises. Yes, uh, especially when you got a coach that's, that's won before and you got a bunch of group of guys that want to win and you know want to get to where he's been uh, and everybody buys in, you know, that just brings us even more closer and makes us even more hungry. So uh, I think, you know, that's that's the, the culture we're trying to bring around and just focus on winning, doing every, everything we need to do for winning, the little things, you know, whether it be, you know, showing up on time meetings or doing walkthroughs the correct way. It's just everything, every little thing matters. So that's the, the, the culture we're trying to bring in. And big thing three is accountability. Many things to improve this week, getting ready to take on the Colts. Penalties, drop passes, errant throws, missed tackles, you name it. Both the players and the coaches have to take a step in the right direction this week. Yeah, it's frustrating, but again, I look at I look at myself too and say, hey, can, could I have done a better job, you know, uh, putting our guys in situations? But ultimately, you know, um, we're in this together, you know, and, and if the plays are there, we ask the players to make them, right? And that's that's part of part of our philosophy: make the plays that that kind of come to you, you know. And, and uh, we didn't make enough of those yesterday; they were there. Uh, but it's a good film to to correct and learn from and uh, get better in week two. And that is big things on a Wednesday morning, getting ready for the first home game of the 2022 season. And very interestingly enough, it is against the Colts in this very long streak of the Jaguars beating the Colts here in Jacksonville. And we will talk all about Jonathan Taylor, the running game, the normal things we talk about with the Colts. But Brian, the biggest thing is you can worry about all of that. But if they don't fix the things that shot themselves in the foot last week, none of that matters. Yeah. And the good news is, is that you... I mean, I saw a player or two that I was concerned about. I went back and watched the tape. I feel a little better about the left tackle spot. I, I was worried about that in particular in, in with the game on the line mm -hmm. where he didn't play all that well. Um, but none of these were real talent issues. Now, I'll say this. Um, you, know, you look at some talent. You look at the three wide receivers for the Redskins. I mean, they make game-changing plays over and over and over. You need your guys to step up and do that. But across the board, I mean, you can fix the – the dumb penalty on Dewan Smoot that cost, you know, four points uh, gave up opportunity for them to go for a touchdown instead of a field goal. You can you can fix hitting the upright. You can fix a lot of those those things. So now they just have to go and do it. I just want to go back to big thing one real quick. Mm -hmm. You know, the online world, the Twitter world that you guys spend a lot of time in. Yes. I'm sure they're hammering. It's the same old Jaguars, the same old Jaguars, the same old Jaguars. It's not what I heard. I'm out and about speaking engagement yesterday, Publix last night, insurance inspector at the house. And I asked all of them, and some of them offered thoughts to me just coming up. And that's not what I heard. I heard it sucks they lost. They still have a ways to go, but that looked like a different team than mm -hmm. last year. So I'm not sure that the it's the same old Jaguars narrative that everyone expects is what you get in the outside world. What's the mailbag saying? Well, that's I the mean, real question. I heard a lot of here we go again, and uh, I, got, I got hammered for it a little bit in the mailbag. People saying, well, how can you not expect fans to be frustrated uh, we spend all this money, and I get that. Uh, I get the frustration, but if you step back from this and look at this game on uh, on Sunday, it was not here we go again. It doesn't feel like here we go again. It feels like that in the score, and I get that's all that matters in the NFL is a score, and if you win, that's the short term. But if you look at the long term, I just keep going back to they gave away 11 points in the red zone. Yeah. They gave away four points with Smoot's penalty. 
They gave away a couple of spots that are really easy to fix. Uh, I get that you have to fix it, but I didn't feel at any point in the last couple of seasons like they were close with a tweak. I didn't feel like mm-hmm. they were a tweak here or a tweak here. I felt like they were like, you know, there was a, a major fix. Them, like you had yeah. to fix the Tidal foundation wave. of the house. Now I yeah. feel like maybe you just got to, uh, you know, Call a guy and fix the plumbing. One, a guy that said, <laughs> the, the guy that I was yeah, talking yeah. to last evening at public said to me, Look, I felt like watching that game that a year ago they would have just cascaded down oh, yeah. in the second half and the game would have gotten away from them and it would have been, you know, 28 to 3 before they scored to make it look more respectable. He said, And I knew in the third quarter that it was a different team because they changed a couple things, they played a little better. He said, I'd still like to win, but I get that that's just all part of it and that they need to do things better. Right. But he believes that the coaching staff could, which is what I heard over and over and over yesterday as I was talking to people about it. So um, I like the fact that people are watching it with a, a sharp eye mm-hmm. and not just an emotional one. Right. And that goes back to our big thing, too, with he's the guy. I liked how Coach Peterson, we were talking about the silly mistakes, taking the accountability for the penalties and saying that's on us to fix that. But then in the same way, you know, saying, hey, the players got to make plays. And we see a multitude of that in week one, that the opportunity was there they put them in the right position, you got to make the catch. Well, he, what he's saying in that, at least what I heard in that mm-hmm. was, he's not saying, Joe, trust us, we'll get it fixed. What he's saying is, we'll get it fixed because we're going to demand that the players play better or we're going to find players who play better. Right. He wasn't just saying, you know, have faith and trust. It's a process, blah, 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 which is what you hear from a lot of coaches. He the was saying, works, yeah. hey, well, there's a process and we trust our players, but eventually the time comes where they have to make plays. And we're, we're getting closer to that point. Mm-hmm. I think Doug on Sunday thought they had a good chance to win. I, I, th- I think he thought they would win. But I also think leading up to the first game of the regular season, he talked a lot about adjustments. I think, I, I think he knew that with this team there was a chance – he even said it in the postgame – there was a chance they could shoot themselves in the foot because they are a young team still coming together. That's sometimes what young teams do. He knows they've got to get through that, but the good news is – that kind of thing you can get through in one season, in one week, uh, when it is a huge talent lift, which I think this team needs more talent to be a great team. Yeah. But I think it can contend with this team if it uh, does the little things that it didn't do on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It was interesting in post-game, like you mentioned, when he said he told the team the night before that we are going to be our own worst enemy if we allow ourselves to be. A very self-aware statement that this is a young team, if we're not careful, we will continue to shoot ourselves in the foot. Remember, he's been in this league since he came as an undrafted rookie free agent in 1991. Right. He gets he it. Has, he has <laughs> seen it all. He's been through it all, winning, losing, championships, the whole nine yards. Yeah. He knows better than any of us what he's got in that locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listen carefully to him, you'll probably pick up clues. Yes. Should it be the whole 10 yards? Say that again. That's saying. What's saying? <laughs> the whole nine yards. It ought to be the whole 10 yards. You know what? You need 10 for a first down. You bring up a very fair point. We're going to go to break, and you can think about that in this minute break and get back to us. (laughs) And that is big things when we come back on Jaguars Drive Time. Some of this or that. Price.com is the easiest way to save money with comparison shopping, cashback, coupons, all in one. It's free. Try Price.com today. This or that. This or that. Time for This or That, presented by Price.com. But before we go to This or That, we learned something incredibly yep. important in the break. Well, there was a longtime feature on WOKV in Jacksonville called Hey Joe. And our own Joe Fortunato used to do it. I was going looking for where did the whole nine yards come from, and he knew it off the top of his head. 
He is our Cliff Clavin, for those of you who that man's got are old it. enough to remember Cheers. Um, it referred to parachuting, where you need the whole nine yards of the parachute. There's nine yards of material, and you need it all open to be able to land. That's where the whole nine yards comes from. It's not a sports reference at all. Then gets you first down, though, Schlein. Whoa. Who would have thunk it? Not <laughs> me. Not well, maybe you should start a trend and say the whole 10 yards. Yeah. yeah. Let's start it. All we'll right. brand it. Good luck. All right. This or that. What you got, Brian? Uh, who has the bigger job this week? Ben Barch, who has to square off against six foot seven and a half inch DeForest Buckner, who is a game wrecker, just a massive player. Or Tyson Campbell, who will probably be tasked with traveling with uh, Michael Pittman, mm-hmm. who at 6'4 and 225 pounds is the go-to guy. And if you remember the game in um, Indianapolis last year, the second touchdown drive in the first half that they had, it was Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman. They just kept delivering the ball to him. He's coming off of a game in Houston where he was targeted 13 times, more than twice any other receiver. So you know you got to body up against this big body if you're Tyson Campbell. Who's got the bigger job? I, gotta I would think. say Tyson Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> After that description. <laughs> he won't get, I mean, I don't think he'll get as much help. I think right. he'll give Barch some help inside. You try. Yeah. But still, I mean, Pittman's one of those guys. He can make you look silly. I, oh, no. I remember that game. I remember hearing his name over and over yeah. and over again and thinking, my gosh, do something. Put four guys on him. This and is, it's still. This is a game of matchups, and those are two very difficult matchups. It's why the Colts have the potential to be a AFC South division title mm-hmm. uh, champion this year is because they've got more matchups than most other teams do. Oh, yeah. And those two guys in particular, I think, are the most difficult. Yeah, and Tyson Campbell, I think you can call it a, a bounce back game for him in sorts. He did have that great interception, and that's what he's great at. But he did have that play at the very last drive where the touchdown went above his head. And, you know, it, it felt on him, especially on Monday in that press conference. You could tell. Remember, Matt Ryan is used to throwing to a big receiver in Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. And it, if he targeted him 13 times, don't be surprised if this week he targets him 14 oh times. So Tyson Campbell is going to be tired at the end of that game. Big week for Tyson. John, what you got? Might even target him 15 times. <laughs> I, I went, uh, you know, Jaguars versus the Colts in Jacks or the field. And what I meant by this is, what's the weirder streak in the NFL over the last six or seven years? I would maintain there is, or, or is there anything in the entire league that's weirder than this? Uh, I would take Jaguars versus Colts as the weirdest streak in the NFL because there's really no reason. Uh, the Colts have been the better team all but one year, and they have figured out a way to lose this game here. There's been times Jaguars have outplayed them, but then there's just, there's been times it's just been weird. Um, but something Stephen Holder said uh, piqued my interest on this. I think there's a lot of pressure on the Colts in this game, not necessarily because of the streak, and uh, this is you know, sort of splitting hairs. If, if they had lost to the Jaguars in week six last year yeah. and it had been just kind of a normal game, then I think the, the streak has the oddity feel that it, it felt going into last year. Remember last year we talked about it a little bit in the last game of the season, but didn't talk about it much. Well, no, right? it wasn't dominant. Well, now it's everything, and I don't think it's as much the streak but I think that was a franchise-shaking loss uh, for this team. Uh, uh, Jim Irsay, who is not necessarily a quick-trigger guy, he doesn't get involved with the team as much as people think he is because of his dad had a reputation for that. But it shook Jim up. Uh, they changed quarterbacks. They reset well, the franchise. Well, they the tarmac in front of his plane and did a rant. Right, but that's rare video. for Jim. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I mean, for whatever else Jim is or isn't, 
that's usually not his MO. He usually doesn't get involved like that. So uh, it shook him up. And I agree with Steven. Usually these things don't affect the team. I feel like with the fact that it was in that last game of the season, not the streak, but that game does have a big impact well, this week. I can't think of anything weirder in the NFL, but, but the, the league told you what they thought of this. I mean, the Jaguars see Carson Wentz, the quarterback, in that game in week one. And in week two, their home opener, yeah. they get the Colts right back here. Mm-hmm. So they're telling you this this, is the that there's something to it. Well, a couple years ago, remember, there was the Jaguars blew the doors off of them, scored 50 points. And, 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 and then there was the, uh, the <laughs> game where, uh, was Andrew Luck's final game, where they didn't score, where the Jags shut him out here. Uh, and that was not a very good Jacksonville team. Um, in fact, two of the, the last three season finales have been the Colts losing here. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. Wasn't it you that said that they have the, the score painted in the locker room? Yeah, that was the story uh, coming out of the, uh, so the offseason was is that uh, Frank Reich wanted to make sure his team was dialed in and understood what can happen if you're not completely dialed in. And so 23 or 26 to 11 is painted somewhere in and around the locker room to remind players. Wow. It ought to be in their kitchen because the Jags are in their kitchen, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Mine, this or that kind of goes along with that. It is mind games or keep the streak alive. I don't want to say this is mind games, but I think it's incredibly interesting that now Unique Ngakwe is on the Colts. And just yesterday, the Colts tried out Josh Lambeau and Matthew Wright reportedly to be their new kicker the week of the Jaguars game. I don't want to call this mind games, but are the Colts trying to do something here? My question is, Brian, will the mind games work or are the Jaguars going to win and keep the streak Oh, alive? I don't think it's a mind game. I, I think they're desperate for a kicker. Uh, Blankenship. And it just they, so they already, happens. They cut him, and it just so happens that, you know, both of these guys. I mean, at one point, Lambeau was the most accurate kicker in the league, and, and he was a big reason why the Jaguars in 2017 were able to be consistent late in the season and get deep into the playoffs. Um, uh, Matthew Wright was 165 pounds last year. Now, he kicked a long field goal to win the game yeah. in London. But he can't reach the end zone with his kickoffs, which is why he's not here. Right. Um, I, I don't think it's a mind game at all. I think they're desperate for some consistency at kicker, and they're willing to go after two guys that have, at various moments in their career, been able to get the job done. Refresh my memory. Uh, Yannick's been on so many teams that I can't remember he went from if he's been here. here to Minnesota to Baltimore to Las Vegas to Indianapolis. But is this not his first game back here? It is his first left? game back here. Oh, boy, is he going to be fired up. Yeah, that's <laughs> going to be intriguing. He'll find a reason to be mad even though nobody's left oh. that he's to be mad at. So. <laughs> It'll be a post-game I comment for sure. I'm ready for it. All right, and that is This or That presented by Price.com. When we come back on Jaguars Drive Time, some closing thoughts. Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. Do good, bank better. Back on the practice field today, it is Wednesday and a big headline this week. Knock on wood is there are no really injuries we're paying attention to this week. Doug Peterson saying the team is completely healthy going into week two, and that's very interesting for Travis Etienne and James Robinson. Great news on that. So don't have to pay attention to that, but what do you guys have coming up this week, Brian? I don't know. Uh, oh, time will tell. Uh, I mean, you just you hit me. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, I'm going to grab uh, Bill Shuey, okay. the outside linebackers coach, later today as he leaves the field for a pregame radio interview. And I'm interested because he coached Khalil Mack hmm. um, in Chicago, and there have been comparisons for Trayvon Walker to Khalil Mack. So I'm interested in getting his take on where Walker is. The plan is for uh, Devin Lloyd to be the Ozone podcast guest, and Ooh. I'll be writing, which is. What you do? Reason what enough you to visit Jaguars.com. 
yeah, we joke that Coach Chewy, I think, has the best job in the world because he just stays with Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen all day. It's just the three of them. Yeah. It's a pretty good job. You know, it's funny because Josh never stops talking, and Trayvon, <laughs> I don't know that he does talk that much. When it's he does, a, he's... It's a lovely balance. He was eloquent on Jaguars All Access last week. I thought he did a great job. He did. But he's quiet, and Josh is jabbermouth. Yes. It was, uh, that, that would be an interesting room to be in. It's a fabulous balance, I think. Yeah. And that is Jaguars Drive Time on a Wednesday morning. We'll be right back here tomorrow morning at 9.30. We will see you then.